Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we talk new coaches, the Aussie Sparks Tour, the Sandville Women's Grand Final, our State League's wrap, plus the AFL London Women's Preseason Cup. That's all coming up over the next hour. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And don't forget you can hear this podcast as a radio program, Wednesday evening, 6pm on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne, and by the RSN Racing and Sport app. You can also find us on social media by going to Twitter and searching for WARF Radio, or on Facebook at Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Our first guest for this week comes out of the Hamilton Wildcats. She played in two AFL International Cups for the Canada Northern Lights, 2014 and 2017. And now she finds herself as the head coach of the AFL Ontario women's team to take part in the AFL Canada National Championships on June 30th and July 1. It's great to have on the line Candice Kwan. Candice, how are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on the line. Now, before we talk about your coaching role, you've been in the game now for a number of years. In fact, back to 2012, how did you first discover Australian rules football? Um, One of my friends and colleagues uh, started playing with the inaugural Hamilton women's uh, team, and they were starting up in 2012, and uh, she knew that I had played uh, some other sports, and so asked if I was interested, uh, told me a little bit about the sport and the club. And so I decided I would give it a go and drove over to Hamilton um, and loved it from my first training. Now, looking at your profile on the Northern Lights uh, website, you describe yourself as a back pocket player. Were you always a natural defender? Uh, I, I think so. I played a number of other sports and I enjoy... Um, having a role where I can see the whole play develop and having it in front of me. Um, and I don't naturally like a limelight and uh, taking on a scoring role. Uh, I much prefer to allow other people to have that success. So I like being in the back pocket um, and just doing my role quietly and, um, and facilitating an offense from uh, the back. You speak of the Hamilton Wildcats, no doubt their most famous recruit coming out of there, Kendra Heil. Yeah, I started playing with Kendra um, in 2012, the same year she started, Um, and we had a great time. I'm good friends with Kendra. Um, I miss her a lot, Um, but I'm glad she's experiencing success, even though she's had uh, some difficulties with injury, Um, but I'm very glad that she's back and playing. She just started again with her uh, first game in over a year. Indeed, running out for a quarter for Essendon in a VFLW uh, practice match. As you speak of the Hamilton Wildcats, can you give us a bit of insight into women's football in Ontario at the moment? When we spoke with someone from the Etipatoka Kangaroos about a year or so ago, at that stage it was, I think, a 14 competition with 12 aside. Is it still like that or has it grown a little further? Uh, Well, last year, um, because we had the International Cup and... Uh, a number of our players had gone over to Australia. It's difficult for the league, um, and a lot of other people have to step up. Uh, this year, um, all of those players will be here for the entire season, and we've also gotten back uh, some people that were over in Australia for a year, uh, like Leah and Jackie. They were both playing over with the Eastern Devils uh, last year, so they're back in Hamilton. Uh, so I 
feel that this year uh, will be great. We've also added a fifth team to our women's competition, which is the Ottawa Swans. They, in previous years, were part of our league, and then um, they joined with uh, Montreal, but this year they decided to come back into our Ontario League. Fantastic to hear that it's grown to five teams and obviously giving you uh, more players to choose from. Again, before we touch on the coaching role, you, you had the opportunity to represent your country twice, uh, 2014 International Cup and the International Cup in 2017. Can you tell us in particular the experience of 2014 being the first Canadian women to hold the International Cup aloft? It was a great experience. Uh, it's my first time playing any sport at that level. Um, and, you know, my teammates were fantastic. Um, we became really close, and the amount of dedication and commitment that everyone showed from across the country, we're a very big country geographically, and you don't get to train with everyone. Um, and once we got there, it was amazing that even though we're, we barely see some of each other, um, in a very short amount of time, we're able to gel um and play as a team and that came out as uh you know quite successful in the end with us winning and that was that was just an amazing experience from what you've seen over the three years from 2014's international cup to 2017 and we throw in there during that time you were able to watch online a bunch of afl women's exhibition games and the afl women's league start Inspired by that, did you notice much of a change in the skill level and intensity of women's football at that international cup level in between those three years? Well, in uh, this past international cup, our very first game, we played Fiji, uh, who we had played also in 2014. And I think we were a little taken aback by um, how much Fiji had improved and their intensity and their skill, um, and we almost ended up losing that game, and I think it was a big wake-up call for us that, um, you know, everyone has gotten a lot better, and I think a big part of that can be attributed to uh, the AFLW. I know here in Canada, uh, many of us were very excited that it happened, and uh, we're watching the games. Uh, I watched every single AFL game, that um, that took place last year, and there was lots of discussion online and in person about the games that happened, why are, uh, you know, which players are standing out um, over strategy, over rule changes. So I think, and I'm sure that's happening with women all over the world, um, and that's only a good thing, right? That means that everyone is uh, improving and uh, devoting more time to learning the sport. And backing on to that, uh, coming into this coaching role with Ontario for the uh, AFL Canada Nationals, you actually have a coaching background, don't you, in high school sports? Yes, I'm a high school teacher in Toronto. Um, and uh, so I've been coaching teams um, at high school, at the high school level for many years um, and a variety of different sports as well. Um, and I love coaching. It's um it's one of the best parts of my job, and I can do that, you know, year-round and uh, with lots of – meet lots of different uh, students of different abilities, um, different backgrounds, and getting them to help experience some success. Taking over the Ontario role, is there a certain style of game that 
you'd like to see being played by your team. And, and I, I preface that with, for example, here in Australia, it's always been talked about that Victorian sides are more intense, in close type of football where sides from WA and Queensland, for example, maybe because it's weather and climate, like to spread and like to run and carry the ball more often. Is there a particular style that you'd like to develop for Ontario? Uh, well, I think here in Ontario, it really depends on which players come out and what which background they're coming from because we have some players that have been playing for a number of years and at, at quite a high level um, but every year you'll have new players that are complete rookies that have come from various sporting backgrounds whether that's uh, soccer or rugby or basketball or track um, and that actually very quickly become very successful at footy um, but that can change every year and you uh, you can never say who exactly you're going to get and what your skill set will be. Uh, so I think as a coach, um, especially here with such a with a growing sport and um, so many different women, before you even know who's here, uh, what type of games you're going to play, and really gear that based on who comes and assessing their strengths and weaknesses. Coming into um, the Nationals, which are being held at the back end of June and July, over the weekend of June 30 and July 1 in Etobicoke, um, how often is the side being able to get together to be able to train as an Ontario outfit and obviously develop the game plan that you want coming to the Nationals? Um, so we have just come, actually in Toronto, we just come off a big ice storm in the middle of April. Um, so getting outside and training has been very, very tough. Uh, this is the first week that it's actually, uh, temperature has gone up and people can actually think about starting to go outside. And so it's been challenging for any club, I think, to train. Um, but as, uh, the women in Ontario, um, you know, a lot of us are, know each other very well from playing with each other. Um, for the Northern Lights or playing against each other over the many years. And so we've been working together to try and uh, promote our, our skill development, not just for Team Ontario and for the national championships coming up, but also just for the development of our league, which I think it's great and shows a lot of camaraderie. So we've had, um, so far we've had two trainings. They've been more informal. We haven't done any selection for any team. And it's just been open to any women in our province, uh, from our veterans to brand new women that want extra training on top of their club training to come out. And that's really just been organized by various leaders at different clubs and said, you know, uh, this would be great for our whole league in general, and also in preparation for the national championships. So we've had to rent out um, a dome in Toronto, um, and that expense is coming from all the players' pockets. Whoever wants to come and uh, play, they are contributing money every time, which uh, is showing a lot of dedication as well, um, because it can be quite expensive. Um, but We've been doing that, and uh, we're looking forward to getting outside now that the weather is turning for the better. You, you mentioned about um, improving the standard of the league for Ontario. Obviously, with your tryouts, you're going to have a, a bunch of new players come through. Um, with that, is there a system, I guess, from you to feed back the information of those new players and who's performing well to Jason Arnold for consideration for 
future international games for the Canada Northern Lights, whether they be friendlies or, of course, International Cup 2020? Um, well, across our country, I think we have uh, pretty open communication. Um, and I've been uh, talking to various people from different clubs and seeing how things are going. Um, and particularly in our province, you know, I don't, I don't know all the new players coming up either. So I've had some conversations with um, uh, people from those clubs and those coaches. Um, and so I'm not sure what's happening uh, with our Northern Lights right now. I think we're entering a little bit of a transition period, but I'm sure that um, there is a lot of communication across the country and we all like to uh, share and give feedback and always uh, praise those players that we see up and coming and encourage them, you know, there is a pathway, um, there are opportunities to represent your country and play at a higher level and uh, make sure that all those players are aware of that if that's what they are desiring. With the championships uh, being held in your backyard this year on June 30 and July 1, how much of an advantage do you think that gives you over um, the likes of Alberta, uh, Quebec and British Columbia? Well, we had a national championships uh, in 2015 in Vancouver, and uh, Ontario sent a team. And, you know, travel in Canada uh, can be an obstacle. It's a big country, and it can be expensive. Um, and everyone that's playing, you know, they're either students or they're working jobs, and for them to fly out, finance their trip, uh, to take time off from their work can be challenging. So there are always going to be people that cannot uh, participate, that maybe have the skills to participate uh, for various reasons. So our national championships being held in Toronto this year, I think it will definitely enable players from Toronto um, that maybe couldn't have traveled out in the past to Vancouver um, that are um, really good players and deserve to play um, and I think they'll be coming out this time because it's right in our backyard uh, but I and that may be an advantage uh, but I'm really hoping that um, you know the most deserving and the keen players from every province regardless of the distance is somehow able to come out uh, so we can have you know very competitive competition. And backing on to that as well, um, some Canadian sides have participated in the past at the USAFL Nationals. For example, last year on the women's side, Montreal and Calgary sending sides down to San Diego. Do you see a team from the Toronto area, from Ontario, um, participating this year, considering it's, it's not too far away in uh, racing Wisconsin? Every year, there are uh, people that are interested in going to US Nationals. Um, but in, uh, I think, you know, those teams from Montreal and Quebec, they have a history of traveling down and that, uh, the U.S. Nationals, they kind of, uh, plan for that in their season. Whereas in Ontario, I think we have, um, a more, uh, game heavy season within our province because we have more competition here, uh, more teams. And, uh, so we have, um, you know, our set schedule, and for players to commit afterwards, U.S. Nationals, I think that's kind of done on an individual basis, and they may join with other teams. But every year there's that conversation. Um, I'm not sure if there will be any clubs as a whole committing to U.S. Nationals this year. 
Uh, but that's always a possibility. And just quickly before we go, since you mentioned about obviously the local competition that happens around the Toronto area, um, when's that due to kick off for 2018? And if people want more information on the AFL Ontario women's competition, where can they go to? Yeah, so our uh, season will be happening, will be starting the last week of May. Uh, so just in over a month. The schedule, um, I don't think, has been released yet on the AFL Ontario website, but it will be released uh, very soon because it has gone out to all the clubs just for a final um, review and to make sure everything works out. Um, but if they go to the AFL Ontario website um, and you click on Schedule and Results, they will all be posted there, I'm sure, uh, very shortly. Well, Candice, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we wish you all the very best uh, come late June, early July at the Canada National Championships as you coach the Ontario women's team. Thank you very much. And I enjoyed chatting with you. Well, that's one new women's head coach. Let's quickly hear from another. RSN's very own Daniel Harford was appointed as Carlton AFLW head coach throughout the week. He spoke at a press conference about what he brings to the table, being previously an assistant AFLW coach at Collingwood to now obviously being head coach at Carlton. I think the knowledge of, of dealing with the girls um, as opposed to dealing with boys when you coach is, is really important. I think that without that, I probably wouldn't have been fit for the job, I don't think. Um, I think it's difficult to come in from boys' programs or men's programs to women's programs because they are a bit different in the way that they're structured and the way you, you handle the players. So that's... That experience I've got in the last seven months has been invaluable. I'm really keen to, to bring that with me um, and then shape the program the way I think the program should be shaped and hopefully get some pretty good results from a, what I think is a pretty talented list. Now, you may recall last year we spoke to Jacinda Barclay of the GWS Giants about the Aussie Sparks women's footy tour. It made its debut last year where a bunch of women, about 25, all headed across to California where they went through various colleges and high-performance academies, learning how to look after themselves as a semi-professional or professional athlete to obviously build up their experience and knowledge for them to try and break into AFLW. They also headed down to San Diego to uh, take part in the 2017 USAFL Nationals. Well, the Aussie Sparks Women's Footy Tour is on again, and they're looking for new applicants because this time around they're going to first start in Perth, then they're going to head across to the United States where they'll begin in Chicago, including touring the Chicago Bulls Academy. They will then head up to Racine, Wisconsin for the 2018 version of the USAFL Nationals, stop by Milwaukee, head across to Seattle where they'll play the Seattle Grizzly Women's Footy Team, and then they'll be playing a women's footy team up in Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada. It's great to have on the line to talk us through it all from the GWS Giants and the Aussie Sparks, Jacinda Barclay. Jacinda, welcome back to our show. Thanks very much for having me. Great to have you back on the line again. It's uh, been a while since we last spoke to you and uh, over that last 12 months or so, wowee, uh, not only the Aussie Sparks tour, which we'll talk about, but for yourself personally with the GWS Giants, so close to making a grand final, a great turnaround from being Wooden Spooners the year before. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, we're extremely proud, really, of all the girls involved and um, and the club. So to come back from the previous year, this year was um, a much improvement. Indeed, and uh, as well, we we just want to point out as well, Alan McConnell, new coach in charge. How did you see his coaching style? I guess compared to Tim Smith in the past, and what did you learn new off Alan? 
Yeah, it was exceptional, actually. Um, having Alan, he's just um, a very knowledgeable man. He's uh, very understanding of this football um, environment. So he was able to lead us um, from the from the top, really. And we all had a lot of respect for him. So um, his encouragement and um, experience really shone. And obviously, that's how we, we worked our way up the ladder this year. So let's put your leader's hat on for a moment. You're behind the Aussie Sparks, the football tours of the USA. For those who weren't familiar with last year's tour, can you give a bit of insight about what the Aussie Sparks are all about? Um, So the Aussie Sparks, uh, we run under the Sporting Tourism uh, banner, and we actually, uh, the design is to invigorate and encourage um, young aspiring athletes, um, hopefully at a professional level, to gain a little bit more understanding of uh, the physical attributes that are necessary. Um, Obviously, we're very aware that um, a lot of discipline and dedication and commitment um, is required to being a a top-performing athlete, but also very much um, the mental side of things. So we we really want to touch on... There's there's a lot of, I suppose, financial juggling, um, as well as the on-field and off-field um, approach that you need to have mentally. So we act as trying to give these girls a little bit more education on um, what the requirements are in those sets. Now, just to give a little bit of background for the 2017 tour, um, you didn't go over yourself, but you helped put it together. Uh, Nicole Graves, a premiership coach with the Swan Districts and the WAWFL, went over, as well as Fremantle <laughs> captain Cara uh, Donnellan. And uh, last year's tour featured uh, essentially universities and going to the nationals in California. That's correct, yeah. So with all that, we um, encourage and take these girls on a, on a big um, adventure, really, and that involves America. And there's a beautiful culture and a lot to offer from um, being involved in, in traveling the world or overseas. So, yeah, that was um, what we offered last year, and it was exceptional, and the girls had um, a huge amount of... Um, enjoyment i would say and they gained and and grew a lot from that experience now see for this year's tour for 2018 the usa and canada high performance training camp and tour running from october 6th to 25th a little bit of a different take on last year before we mention the cities in the usa and canada you're actually kicking off the tour first in perth yeah we are so we're gonna shoot over to perth western australia which is actually my hometown um, and we're going to get involved in some trainings and, and a game as well, just a pre-game to get the girls um, prepared and a little bit more comfortable in a team environment that they will be travelling away with. So we'll be coming over and involving ourselves in, in the Swan District, which was my original um, women's club. So that's really exciting. Um, and then, yeah, we'll be making our way over to Chicago, Milwaukee. Now, Chicago is technically another hometown for you. You actually played LFL <laughs> over there for a little while. So a little bit of a homecoming for you. Yeah, it is actually. I've been there a few times, so um, I know the area well and I've got a lot of good friends and um, understanding of the place. So they're really looking forward to that. Um, one thing that I noticed, which was I found interesting on the last tour in 2017, was the girls that were selected for the tour, and there's a vast range, there's motivated women aged from 15 to 29, is their ability or their want to learn and that was seen at the Nationals when they actually left early. Instead of going out partying on a Saturday night, I think I've seen photos where they actually went back to the hotel that they were staying at by the pool. There's a big whiteboard out with Nicole Graves, and essentially they're just crunching and crunching more knowledge about the game. That's correct. Um, 
we we encourage everyone if they are interested to have a look at um, our tour on the Aussie Sparks Women's Football um, Facebook page. You can go and take a look at um, everything that was involved over that uh, period of two weeks, and and that is our main objective really is to instill these beliefs and understanding and um, yeah as much as they can grasp. We're we're almost um, we like to we want to I suppose um, we're the seeds basically. We want to plant their seeds, and we're almost. Um, if you would say a, a garden of growth, that's our that's our motto, really. Um, yeah, if, if we, we can give them the recipes, and if they continue to water and um, hopefully prosper, so the yeah, the whole objective is I'm I'm hoping that they have yeah they can take their sporting life and the wisdom that that's gained um, to I suppose effectively and effectively um, apply that in everyday life as well as their sporting um, adventures as well. And you talk about planting those seeds. Well, a couple of them blossomed last year while you're on the tour. One was announced as a draftee, Emily Maguire for Fremantle, and another one was picked up as a free agent, Melissa Freckleton, with your GWS Giants. Yeah, that was really exciting. Um, yeah, I was um, honoured to play with Melissa as well um, throughout our our whole uh, pre-season. So she was a lovely attribute to the team, and um, it was really exciting to see her blossom, like you said, um, develop those skills in preparation for um, her giant season, as well as Maguire, who played incredibly well as well. Yes, I think uh, people don't forget her two amazing goals against uh, Melbourne on debut at Fremantle Oval in that upset win when the uh, Dockers beat the Demons in the AFLW. Just quickly, Jacinda, for people who are interested in uh, signing up for this tour, I believe you've actually put a little bit of a challenge that you want out first, courtesy of the video you've got on your website at champions.net.au. Yeah, well, I suppose you can see it as a challenge. Um, it is our, just our application process this year. Um, it almost just acts as um, a little preparation in terms of um, possible media preparation that you may have if you're um, hopeful to one day land yourself in the AFLW. So, yeah, that's um, you can go on our, our Facebook page. It's not www.champions.net.au forward slash 2018 tour um, to check all that out and the exact procedures um, necessary to... Um, send in your application with good luck. <laughs> and uh, when do people need to get their applications in by? Um, as soon as possible, to be honest. We will be closing it probably at the end of May. Um, so we've had a few, definitely a few coming in. So um, get them in as soon as possible and we'll be going through them to um, uh, finally select select, and make our announcements. And as we said, even though this tour starts in Perth, it's not limited to WA, it's Australia-wide. You had uh, a number of women from across different states uh, take part in the Sparks Tour last year. Yeah, that's right. All, all are welcome. We even had um, a representative from Alice Springs last year, uh, Rebecca Dunbar. So um, everyone is welcome. Come on, come one, come all. Um, yeah, it's a huge... It, it was. I was very lucky um, enough to... Um, travel and tour with this particular company when I was uh, around 15. So I've done probably around eight to ten tours since then. So I can't um, I can't recommend any other um, growth plate really for the development of self um, ambitions. And again, that 2018 Aussie Sparks Women's Football Tour of the United States and Canada running October 6th to 25th. Uh, details at champions.net.au. Jacinda, thank you very much for joining us here on RSN Carnival's Women's Australian Rules Football Program. And uh, we wish you all the very best with the tour in October and then, of course, the AFLW season for 2019. Thanks very much, Peter. Thanks very much for having me. Yesterday, we saw a cracker of a grand final in the Sanford Women's Competition at Unley. 
It was South Adelaide and Norwood. It went down to the dying seconds. And filing this report to take us through everything that happened in the game for the Two Crows podcast is Alison Schiller. It was absolutely great to watch. There was just pressure. Even though the first quarter, to be brutally honest, there was um, only three points scored all going south way. The pressure that the players were putting onto each other was absolutely wonderful and great to watch. Um, you had uh, Cheyenne Hammond from South ended up with 12 possessions at the end of the first quarter. And right near the end of that quarter, she went down in an absolute screaming heap, holding the bottom part of her leg. And I thought she'd either done an ACL or done an ankle. Screaming and the trainers come along and they picked her up. And next minute, she got two possessions and she took off. So um, I don't know what happened there, but the, the game was right down the other end of the ground. So maybe it didn't hurt as much when she stood up as she thought it would. But um, Shane Hammond, take a bow. She got off and absolutely got the game running there. As I mentioned, only three points in it at quarter time there. But come out the second quarter, Norwood did all the pressing and all the pushing of the players. And there was a bit of off-the-ball action going on between ex-teammates. But um, Anne Hatchie, Hatchard stood up with an absolute great goal and um, put, finally got some reward for effort for uh, South Adelaide and put a goal on the board. Um, then there was a 25-metre penalty. It was a point scored by Elise Housen. Uh, then Courtney Gum, uh, playing at South Adelaide after a time down there with GWS, put pressure um, up in the forward, 50 right up close, and then she got the ball forward to Cat Williams, who socked through a magnificent goal and got that out to two goals, a five by the end of it. And right, and I mean seconds, before the halftime siren, there was a free kick to Norwood, um, resulted in all the players stopping, except for Alana Brown, who had the free kick. And the umpire had called play on advantage loud enough, but everyone stopped. She kept running. No one chased her. Bang, open goal. And that was desperately needed by Norwood. And that was their only score for the half within the last couple of seconds of that part. Um, leading into the third quarter, about two and a half minutes in, they uh, kicked from Norwood, about a 45-degree angle, and repeat popped through a wonderful goal. Courtney Gum was then moved into the centre. Um, as the ball wasn't getting down, obviously, because it was tight scoring, the ball wasn't getting down either end a lot of the time and was spending the time in the gut. So Gum going into there and putting some extra pressure on. Sally Riley, it's, oh, Crow still, sorry, um, got a free kick. Scores a goal. Scores were then actually level because Norwood were uh, three goals and where were we? And obviously at 18 points was at two, three, two six uh, going through for South Adelaide. Gummo on the 50 metre line um, put out a magnificent kick and we thought, could it, could it go through? But no, a magnificent mark on the line to Christy Harvey, who went back and slotted the goal. It was absolutely wonderful, taking himself, getting South out by a little bit more. Again, in the last minute of the third quarter, there was a free kick to Norwood for Monique Hollick, and she kicks on the siren there as well. Um, Norwood, five and a half minutes left in the final quarter, because I'll be honest, going through the others, it was just a tussle from one end to the other, one end to the other. Captain McMahon kicked an absolutely beautiful goal and Norwood were jumping about. The scores were level, five and a half minutes left. Then it became four minutes left. Courtney, gum gum 40 metres out, winds it up, goes bang, 
puts them out to six point, points ahead. Another free kick to Norwood and a 25-metre penalty later, but unfortunately didn't quite get all across the line for a goal. Uh, for Leah Cutting, that was pushed through for a point. So we're down to five points of difference. We're getting into the last couple of minutes of the game. And I mean, again, I don't know what Norwood chose always in the last few seconds of each quarter, but in the dying seconds of the game, Norwood had a kick on goal, 55 metres out. Final shot of the game. The ball was in the air. The siren went. The game was over. South, the steam train pulled in at the station, dead on time, up by five points. Epic contest. Best on ground, Cheyenne Hammond um, for South Adelaide. And I must admit, it was perfect weather, perfect game, absolutely wasn't one-sided. And I was really impressed with Norwood's fight because I picked, I believe, on a clear day that uh, South would get the best of them, but in a big way. So I, I was actually really happy the game went the way it did. Uh, for the best for me, uh, for Norwood, I love Bush was in defence. She was wonderful. Monique Hollick, ex she got tons of ball. Nicola Burns, Riley and Sumbrus got lots of it. Uh, for South Adelaide, Nikki Gore, Cat Williams, Harvey, Gum, Hammond, Hatchy, all got into it. Leading disposals, Shane Hammond, 22. Nikki Gore, Hatchy, 21. Gummo, 20. Whiteley and Munyard, 13. Norwood, Monique Hollick and Rhiannon Bush, 20. Sally Riley, 16. Cassie Sumbras, 13. Whitney Benson, 11. Goals to South there, as mentioned. Courtney Gum, Cat Williams, Anne Hatchard, Christy Harvey. For Norwood, Beck McMahon, Alana Brown, Sally Riley and Rihanna Peake. And as mentioned before, Shane Hammond, best on ground medal. So as the Sandville W comes to a close for another season, other leagues are just really starting to get going. In fact, round three has just passed in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. And it's great to have back on the line for the first time in 2018 to keep us up to date with everything that's happening in Sydney women's footy, Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Peter. And I'm really pleased to be back on the podcast and uh, talking about women's footy in Sydney. And yes, indeed, the scene has changed in Sydney, hasn't it? We'll go through the results and explain a few things. Let's let's start off with the first game. UTS Shamrocks taking it up to the Sydney Uni Bombers 6-5-41, but the Bombers getting the chocolates 8-3-51. Yeah, look, it was a really, really close game um, throughout the day and probably the closest the Shamrocks have, have got to Sydney Uni. Um, only four points in it at the first break, but uh, the second quarter saw the the Bombers um, yeah, kick three goals uh, to two points. So that was where they they got their break. Um, the Shamrocks actually outscored the Bombers in the second half, but they left their run a little bit too late. Um, Georgia Bean was strong for the Shamrocks, as she was last year. Uh, she got uh, four of their six goals, and uh, and Laban got three for the Sydney Sydney University Bombers. And um, But, yeah, as I said, really competitive game throughout. Um, best players for the Shamrocks were Breen and Houston. And uh, for the Bombers, it was McCarthy and Laban, who, uh, as I mentioned before, kicked the three goals. The Southern Power, who in the last couple of years had been on the end of some, you know, shocking losses, have gotten off to a good start this year and claimed another victim in Newtown Breakaways, winning 10-4-64 to 4-3-27. Yeah, look, um, the Power uh, didn't have the greatest start to this year, had a, a, a bit of a big loss against Mac Uni, but their last two weeks have been um, really pleasing for them. 
Uh, former Giants defender Christy De Pellegrini actually stepped in and coached the side for this week. Uh, regular coach Abe Karaka was away. Uh, so she had a good start to her coaching career. Um, Powell got off to a really good start to the game, kicking four goals to one, and uh, and the breakaways didn't sort of get close after that. Um, Rihanna Lotta and M- Ash McClure were really strong up forward for the Powell, kicking four and three apiece, and were also named in their best Um while uh, uh, the breakaways four goals came from individuals. and um, But, yeah, look, these sides over the last couple of years have had some really close encounters. Um, they played each other three times last year and, and Newtown came away with the win twice and Powell won. So it was expected to be a really close contest and perhaps surprise a few people by um, Powell being so dominant and, um, yeah, setting up their season nicely. Some inaccurate kicking, but still comfortably in control. Auburn Penrith Giants, 4-11-35, defeating the Western Wolves, just the two behinds. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, inaccurate kicking. I mean, you know, 4-11 as opposed to, you know, if it was the other way around, 11-4, um, probably in some ways almost flatters the, uh, flatters the Wolves a bit. Um, uh, the Giants' goal kickers were uh, Melissa Brighton, uh, Jacqueline Gay and, and Caitlin East Hope, um, their best players were Leigh Alcatam, um, who's been really strong for the Giants since she crossed back from the Wolves. Um, but, yeah, the Giants would obviously be disappointed with that inaccurate kicking. But, you know, the fact that they've had 15 shots on goal is is going to be something that's really pleasing for them. And, um, yeah, but they'll be looking to uh, improve on that when they play against the Power next week. What were formerly the Stingrays, now the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs, went down in a low-scoring thriller to Mac Uni, 2-3-15 to 3-1-19. Yeah, there's been, um, across the start of the season, there has been some some low-scoring games. Um, I mean, this one was a tight one, probably two of the, the contenders at the moment. Um, Mac Uni didn't actually score a goal after quarter time. Uh, you know, they, they scored all three goals in that first quarter. Um, and then, yeah, it was a, I mean, it's a low scoring game anyway, but, um, you know, to not score a goal after the first quarter and uh, and still win the game just sort of shows how tight it was. Um, UNSW Bulldogs recruit uh, Giants player Re- Rebecca Privatelli um, kicked their two goals for the day, uh, whilst the goals for the Mac Uni Warriors came from uh, recruits Simone Freeman and uh, Liz Fassone. So, as I said, I think these two are probably. At the moment, you know, it's a bit hard to uh, get a read on form with new players coming in. I'm still waiting on some Giants players to return and, and just seeing how sides settle for the season. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm tipping these two will be right up there uh, come finals time, Peter. Taking a look at the ladder, how it sits after round three, Mac Uni sitting on top, the only undefeated side. Then a bit of a logjam, uh, second and third with two wins, one loss, uh, being the Bulldogs and the Southern Pound. I see them up in third. Uh, and then the remaining teams, all on one week, one win each, just percentage separating the teams. Wolves, Giants, Breakaways, Sydney Uni, Bombers in seventh, and Shamrocks in eighth. Yeah, look, it's definitely been the most uh, even start to top two footy in uh, Sydney Women's AFL for for quite some time. Um, You know, we've seen many seasons in the past where it's taken, you know, almost halfway into the season for all teams to um, get a win on the board. So, you know, for three rounds in to have all teams having a win and only one team undefeated um, shows the evenness of the combin. And, you know, whilst you've got uh, Mac Uni Warriors and, uh, you know, UNSW up there with a, a fairly healthy percentage of over 200 each, um, 
you know, if you have a look at the percentage of the other six teams, no one's sitting under 50%. And, um, you know, whilst that may may seem like an interesting sort of thing to point out, um, you know, people that would have followed Sydney Women's AFL for some time now would realise that, you know, there has been some unevenness. So, as I said, to have everyone with a win on the board and, um, and you know, uh, none of those sort of really lowly percentages, I think it shows that um, the competition is becoming more even, which is um, only going to be great for the game, Peter. Let's get your tips for round four. All games being played on Saturday, the 28th of April, 11.40am at Pick and Oval. Uh, the Western Wolves host the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs. Yeah, look, I think... Um, uh, you know, Wolves actually had a great start to the year beating Sydney Uni, um, but uh, after a close loss to McUni, I'm thinking the Bulldogs will bounce back and the win there. Auburn Penrith Giants host Southern Power at Grey Gums Oval, 12:20 p.m. Uh, look, I think this will be another close one. Um, the Giants uh, beat Power in, in in both meetings last year. Um, Power will be keen to atone for that. I think it'll be a really close one, um, but I'm I'm tipping uh, Power by uh, less than ten points. At twelve fifty p.m. at Sydney Uni, number one oval, the big university battle: the Bombers versus Mac Uni. Uh, look, I'm, I'm tipping Mac Uni to um, keep their unbeaten start to the season intact. Um, I think it'll be be a bit of a close one, um, but I'm tipping the the Warriors by uh, 15 points. And at 1.20pm at Trumper Park, the Shamrocks host the Breakaways. Yeah, look, as we said, um, Shamrocks have, have obviously, you know, now they're into their, their second season in top flight footy. Um, they're one win, breakaway one win, but I think at home, uh, I think the, uh, the Shamrocks will get the win there. Um, and, yeah, another close one. As I said, you know, I've tipped all the matches to be close, and I think that's just a sign that um, women's footy, the competition uh, in Sydney, is uh, a lot more even and competitive this year. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next week when we look back at Round 4 of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter, and uh, let's hope for uh, some good games all around the country this weekend. And the Tasmanian State League Women's Competition for 2018 kicked off last weekend, and in round one, oh boy, the Tigers got absolutely thumped. Tigers Football Club, one straight six, going down to Clarence, 23-16, 154. Ouch. And in the other game at Winter Park, Launceston, 9-9-63, defeated Glenorchy, 6-5-41. Round three of the West Australian Women's Football League occurred over the weekend and it all began on Friday night where Subiaco 10-6-66 crashed Claremont only the eight behind. On the Sunday, three games were played. Peel Thunderbirds 10-6-66 defeated Swan Districts 2-7-19. Perth Angels 1-2-8 went down to East Fremantle 17-14-116. And West Perth 13-12-90 defeated South Fremantle 2-4-16. Looking to round four, all games played on Sunday at 2pm at Bendigo Bank Stadium. Pill Thunderbirds host East Fremantle. At Fremantle Oval, South Fremantle host Subiaco. At HBF Arena, West Perth host the Perth Angels. And at Steel Blue Oval, Swan Districts host Claremont. Time to find out what's happening in the QWAFL. And joining us on the line from Queensland, once again, it's Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Peter, I'm fantastic, thank you. Yourself? Not too bad at all. A crazy round of football for round two. We'll get to the crazy result last. But let's start, first of all, off at Leyshine <laughs> Park on a Saturday. And Yeronga South Brisbane, 20-point winners over the UQ Red Lions. <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, I think I know what's coming there. But, um, no, look, good good game. Uh, 
toss and throw it here. Yoronga pretty much won it off two quarters. Um, UQ scoreless at quarter time. Um, Yoronga come out of the box early. UQ um, p- pulled it back, had a good second quarter, good third quarter, um, uh, but, but failed to score a goal in the last. Uh, and and Yoronga put on three there. So put on three in the first quarter, put on three in the last quarter, and that's basically won the game. So played two game, two quarters and uh, and won the game off that. Um, pleasing to to know, uh, Zanchetta uh, named best on the ground in that one. And a couple of good uh, Gold Coast youngsters. Um, we've had a little bit there with D Hislop and uh, and not so much Georgia Bremer, but um, they pl- they played good games as well, respectively for them. So. Um, that'll be good news, and and both players trialling for the Suns uh, in in years to come. So um, keep an eye on those two. But yeah, Yoronga too strong uh, in, in the end, and still still uh, quite a host of um, players to come back in, in their side. Um, UQ, bit of a new look. UQ, um, Megan Hunt uh, pulling on the jersey for the first time uh, this season, and and she had a good game. And um, a Mackay product, uh, Alana McNabb. Um, she's probably the best player. Not probably is the best player in that region, and she's uh, coming down and playing for UQ at the moment. So, um, trying to stake her claim, but she had a had a, had a pretty good game for for them. Um, but yeah, in the end, Yoronga too good off the back of two quarters. At Giffen Park, the Cooparoo Kings going down to Wilson Grange by twenty one points. Yeah, look, definitely got this one wrong. I mean, I. Wilson will get them at one point in this year. Um, might not have thought it was this game, but they've been able to do it. Um, you know, if you look at the, the team sheet, this is probably one of the uh, more uh, missing lineups for Cooperu uh, in terms of, of of talent. So they really uh, dug deep into into their depth and sort of shown what they've sort of got, um, pulling players up from from their reserves. But um, look, the shining light in that game was Cleo. Uh, she was she was fantastic um, for the, for them, um, yeah, all, all game. Um, but yeah, they really really sort of lacked some solid targets going forward. Obviously, Wushan are not playing. Um, a whole host of pretty much all their lines um, and state players not playing. Um, Tani White played unfortunately um, out of that game. It looks to be a very serious knee injury, which is. Yeah, uh, super unfortunate for her. I was at, at that game and yeah, really felt for her up and coming. Um, superstar out of one of the best um, junior players in Queensland. Well, not definitely the, the best junior player in Queensland at the moment. So, um, yeah, super sad news for, for Tani um, and wouldn't have helped them any chances in that game either. Um, Cooperu. Um, but yeah, Wilson had a, had a few Lions girls playing that I'll wasn't too sure would would play, but they they got up and played that game. So they were definitely strong on paper, but probably missed chances. To be honest, I reckon they probably could have could have finished them off with a few more goals on the board. But um, they got one up, and I think next time they meet, it could be a different story. That time, Peter with Cooper getting a, a few of their line skills back and, and looking super strong. So expect some really fiery clashes between Cooper and Wilson to come, um, and I think they'll be tight contests as well. If there's any message to go to Tani White, of course, is look, it's it's only a year you'll be back in a year compared to Kendra Heil, who uh, just played uh, one quarter for Essendon 
uh, in the VFLW practice match on the weekend in Victoria. Uh, for Kendra, it was her first game back in about 900 days after doing her left wow. ACL and then her right ACL. So, uh, so you know, there's those that have had it worse, so it's only a year. So just think of it that way. And, of course, Gold Coast to start coming into the equation by around that time. Um, the other game of the weekend, I think you mentioned that Bond University might struggle this year. Lo and behold, in game two, they've knocked <laughs> off your old side by five points. Yeah, look, I got it wrong big time, didn't I? No, look, um, I think Kulangata definitely had, had some chances. Um, again, look, it's great, great work. It's good for the competition. You know, you don't want to be right tipping all the time. That's no fun for for anybody. Um, you want some unpredictable victories. And, um, yeah, fantastic work for, from Bond. They kick 7-1, so extremely accurate in front of goals. Uh, Cooley actually led for pretty much the whole 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 day um, until the, the fourth quarter. So it was a good comeback behind victory from Bond University. Um, and, yeah, look, I mean, Cooley were missing a, a few players, but they had some had some real quality players um, out on the paddock. So you know, it's a good job by, by Bond. Probably one of the, the best stories coming out of the day for them was Charlotte Hammett, uh, an up-and-coming uh, girl again, um, trialling with the Suns Academy. She kicked five, cool. five of those seven goals. Um, and she's a, she's a, a, a rolling half forward. Um, with silky skills and a booming kick for for a, uh, a light player, um, lightly framed player. So Charlotte Hammond's um, best on ground for them, um, kicking five goals. Uh, so fantastic effort from Bond. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, good stuff. So their first win of the season. So fantastic for them and uh, welcome to the competition. And, um, hey, I, I got it wrong. <laughs> Looking ahead to round three, all games on Saturday and all very interesting. 3 p.m. at Maruchidor Oval 3. Uh, the Roos hosting Coolangatta Tweed. Yeah, look, uh, I've, got to, I've, I've got to back them again, I reckon. Um, but no, look, uh, this, is a, this is a big travel as well. So you've got to think here, we've got um, two sides who arguably are about two and a half hours, nearly three hours drive away from each other. So it's going to be a massive trip for Cooley um, to head up to, to Maruchi to play uh, on the weekend. Um, look, hard to say this this far out with, with how the side will shape up. If Cooley travel, travel well, I expect them to bounce back um, from 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 this bond, um, bond, lost to Bond on the weekend. Maruchi, however, have been a massively improved side, especially with some of the talent that, that, has, that has moved down to Brisbane. So, um, that's awesome. That's great for them, and I think they'll be improved. So I think this will be a closer game. I'm going to tip Cooley to bounce back here, but I think a lot will depend on how well they travel uh, on the weekend, and, that, and that's a massive trip. So you'd think if there's going to be any sorts of home ground advantage, it's going to be when these two sides play um, away against each other. So, um, yeah, I'm tipping, tipping Cooley in a close one, providing they uh, they travel well. <laughs> we'll see the team sheet on Thursday and reassess. <laughs> At Bendigo Bank, Oval, 3 p.m., uh, Wilston Grange is hosting Yoronga South Brisbane. Yeah, look, Wilson have uh, come out of the blocks early, um, only team to be undefeated so far in the competition. Um, they're tracking along really nicely. Uh, they, they, they're quite a well-balanced side. Um, the, the, the way that they're playing, Wilson, this is, a, this is sort of the first time that Wilson have ever starting to, 
to really play like this. They've been building on this this brand for a while, and um, it, it's pretty to watch. So they're, they're really good side to watch at the moment. Um, they, funnily enough, only played each other not long ago as well. So um, what two, in, in round one, they, they played each other. So um, this is a – sorry. No, they haven't. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> they Cooper and Yoronga. So I'm getting them mixed up. Um, Wilson and, and Yoronga. Um, I'm expecting uh, Wilson to get, get over the line here. Um, I think Yoronga are still waiting on a few players to come back. Um, and I don't think they've hit their straps yet, Yoronga. So I think they're, they're underperforming a little bit at the moment. Um, I expect Wilson to get the job done here probably um, by about four or five goals. And finally, uh, at Bond University, 4.45 p.m., Bond University hosting a weekend Cooperoo. Yeah, I know. I expect Cooperoo to get a couple of players back this 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 round. Um, look, they they they've been training well, and they've been they've got some talented girls who've come across from from other codes, um, who I expect um, are only going to improve uh, as the year goes on. Um, you know, again, yes, they'll, they'll they'll miss the likes of Tani. They're still missing a few other girls. Wushner still um, won't be playing. Um, they're waiting on a couple more to return. Um, Sally Young, who's a stalwart of not only the side but the club, um, can't wait to get her, see her back out on the paddock. Um, I think that won't be this weekend. Uh, this will be a close game. If Bond have any chance of knocking Cooperu off this year, I think this might be the round. Uh, however, I think Cooperu will still be too strong. Uh, Travelling down there, um, I expect uh, them to get over the line in a reasonably tight contest. Uh, Cooper to win by three or four goals. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us this week on Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week when we review all that round three action. Pleasure as always. Thank you, Peter. Round one of the AFL Canberra first grade women's competition kicked off over the weekend and all games were played on the Saturday. Uh, Balconan, 8 9 57, took care of Ainsley, 5 2 32. Gangalan, 19 8 122, defeated Tugranong, one behind. While Quimbian, 2 6 18, went down to Eastlake, 5 3 33. Looking ahead to round two, again, all games played on the Saturday at 10 a.m. at UNSW Canberra Oval. Eastlake host Ainsley. 11.30 a.m. at Greenway. Oval Tugranong host Quimbian and at 12pm at Holt 102 Balconnen host Gungarlan. So now time to turn our attention overseas. We're going to have a regular reporter keeping us up to date with what's happening in the AFL London Women's League. It's the competition where Lauren Spark of uh, the Western Bulldogs and Kate Sheila of Carlton were recruited out of and it's great to have on the line our AFL London Women's League reporter coach of the Wandsworth Demons in Mitch Skelly. Mitch how are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, the weather's finally come good after the longest winter ever. So, yeah, we're looking forward to footy. All I've seen is photos of footies in snow throughout the Northern Hemisphere, the UK, Ireland, over in the USA, in uh, Canada. How cold has it been? Uh, yeah, so we had a storm, the beast from the east, which I don't know if you heard of from back home, but uh, that hit London a couple of, about a month or two ago, and yeah, it was cold. It was really cold for this. It was a long, cold winter. Um, we, had, we had an intra-club game in snow, which was an experience. Uh, I'm not sure it was a good experience, but it was, it was good. Well, it was exciting. It was something different. Good for social media. 
Let's have a look at the uh, pre-season cup competition that was played over the weekend. Now, can you explain for uh, listeners in Australia how it breaks down, who participates in this pre-season cup, and uh, what's the format? Yep, no worries. Yeah, so we've got the, the seven London clubs all get to submit a team each. So we've got um, Putney Magpies, City, uh, sorry, City Swans, the London Swans, uh, West London Wildcats, Swans West Demons, Wimbledon Hawks, South London Giants, and North London Lions. And we've also got the GB National side. So that makes up our eight teams uh, into two groups of four. And you play three tour games with two times ten and a half. So there's a lot of footy throughout the day, um, and you know, plenty of tired legs by the end of it. So let's have a look at uh, Pool A and how that went down. Um, and from what I'm reading here, it looks like the Wimbledon Hawks and South East London Giants, the top two to come out of that pool against the uh, against the uh, Wildcats and the Swans. Yeah, so that group was quite even. I think um, everybody's picked up a win, and it was. I believe it came down to percentage for who came through. So West London, they they didn't actually manage to scrape through, but they also they did get Wimbledon who went through the semis. Um, likewise, I think mean, I don't not sure maybe the Giants might have won all three of their games, but it was a really really even group. Um, and I think that was the, the tone for the day. Like it was very hard to predict who would win any game. Having a look at Paul B coming out of that, the uh, North London Lions. And uh, Wandsworth Demons, uh, the top two to come out of that group, which also contained the uh, Putney Magpies and GB Swans. Yeah, so I think um, Putney's probably a team that's on the development on the up. So, you know, for them, it was just really good to see that they had great numbers on the day and they could play 18, 18 a side, which at times they struggled with last year. GB Swans have won this competition the past two years. So again, I think they're really going through a bit of a... Um, growth again because after the International Cup last year a few players might have retired and then last year in the Premiership Division the Lions and the Demons were the top two so that, those two um, I guess stand there authority on the group with the Demons going through undefeated and end up being uh, Wandsworth and North London they would end up meeting in the grand final with the Demons dispatching away the Hawks and the Lions beating the Giants yeah that was obviously I'm a bit biased being the coach of the Demons but that was um, it was a really good game at half time it was dead even and then it wasn't until the last few minutes that we managed to surge away. But uh, probably the talking point of the day was the semi-final between the Demons and the Hawks because at full time it was nil all. And then we had uh, five minutes each way of extra time and it was still nil all. And then we went into golden point overtime and then finally uh, one of our girls basically sneak a point through and we got, we got through after about... A 20-minute game was went for about 38 instead. So that was a, that was pretty crazy and extended the day a little bit. <laughs> all, all, all for the ability to just get one single point, one to nil that result. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah, I get. It was amazing. It was just an absolute, um, it was just a really tough physical game with the Hawks. And they stepped it up. Their, their back one was just impenetrable all, all day. I can imagine a very, very stressful game, but a little bit easier in that grand final where you won 3-3-21 to one straight six over the North London Lions. It kind of reminds me of the um, of the premiership last year where North London were struggling a bit um, come finals time simply because they lost a number of their players to the GB Swans to play in the International Cup. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's one of the tough things about, you know, it's great playing free over here, but when the International Cup comes around, it does um, clash with our finals. And also, we do find, you know, you often have a lot of Australians who that coincides with summer holidays. So, 
you sometimes can have the strongest two teams during the year not necessarily making the grand final. That's possibly what happened last year with the Lions. They just seem to fall away in the finals. But that, you know, they're, they're a really strong side and they showed it on the weekend. Well, you had the ability to have a look at those games that were played over the weekend in the pre-season cup, the chance for a warm-up before the AFL London Women's League season gets underway. Who are a handful of the players that caught your eye across the tournament that look like will stand out in 2018? Yeah, well, I think um, at the Lions, their work, Danny Trot, she's really strong. She was everywhere on the weekend. And they had it, they got forward, they, she was injured for a big part of last year. She was back on the weekend to a few goals. And uh, also, shout out to the most powerful couple in AFL Europe, Laura and Rania, Tony Ramadan. Um, if they're back playing for the Lions week in, week out, that, that team would be hard to stop. Um, at the Hawks, uh, on the weekend, they had Lisa Wilson, who's, she's a big face in AFL Europe. She was back in town at the moment, she's living in Germany. So you know, when she's around, she adds to their team. Um, but they're missing their two girls that play rugby for England. Um, it's Clitall is their surname. If they're back, when they're back during the season, that'll make the horse just a really powerful unit. Um, over at West London, we've got a little forward, Alex Farrell, which is really dangerous. Uh, they're Ruck Christina and one of their midfielders who didn't come the weekend, Bailey Tuvi. But that's probably there. You know, a couple of the really strong players in the division. Um, yeah, and then down at West, sorry, down at South, uh, South London, we've got Laura Quinn, Gemma Longfield, and their club legend, Mariana Graham. Now, if, they, if they stick around and, and can add to that list this year, they, they'll be hoping to go one better in the grand final. Okay? And what's the turnover been like this year? I, I'm expecting, obviously, the uh, uh, the homegrown UK recruits to be fairly stable across all teams. But what's the the churn been like of Aussie-based, uh, sorry, Australians that are based in London over there? Yeah, look, it's, it's the battle, and it's part of the beauty of AFL London. Like, I think, um, you know, it's a really serious comp now. People take the flu really seriously, but... You do have to expect that after two years, a lot of players do go home. Um, and so building up your, your local contingents is really important. To give you an example, um, at the Demons, I think, since I was having a look at it on, uh, last week, I think we played 66 or 67 players last year over our two sides, and 33 of them have either left the country or quit footy after the season. So it's a, it's a 50% turnover, which is yeah, it's huge. You wouldn't hear about it in any other club anywhere else. Uh, but that's part of the beauty of AFL London, and you know, we get to bring new people and introduce them to our game all the time. So I believe next weekend the AFL London women's uh, competition kicks off for 2018 season proper, and it looks like the competition has expanded yet again. Yeah, it's been great to have uh, West London Wildcats. Last year they, they had their first season out in the conference division. Um, as a big club, they've grown. They've got, now I've got two teams that I've won in the premiership in the conference grade. Uh, so it's only one more team this season, which last year had four new teams. It was one new team, but I think across the board, we'll see every club will be stronger. I've noticed all the pre-season games, everyone's just representing in numbers. At times in the past, we've had we've had the couple of games down to their 14, 15 side, but I don't see that happening this year. And we play 18 aside in every game, every division, which is it's what you want. So again, just uh, making up that uh, Premier Division, if I'm correct, we've got the West London Wildcats, we've got the South East London Giants, the Wimbledon Hawks, uh, the North London Lions, and the Wandsworth Demons. Yep, spot on. That's your five teams in the Prem Division. Um, and yeah, it looks really open this year, so it's going to be a cracker. 
And for the conference division, the reserves are the Wandsworth Demons and the West London Wildcats, uh, along with the London Swans and the uh, Putney Magpies. Yeah, that's that's the four that are in the conference division. Um, so in that grade this year, it's only a top three make the finals. The league decided that you know there should be a, a reward. Making the finals should be a reward. It shouldn't be everybody, which it was last year. Um, last year we know that the Wildcats absolutely dominated. They didn't lose the game, but obviously they're better players to move up the Premiership. So I think this year, uh, the London Swans, they just missed out in the grand final last year. I think they're going to be really, really strong. And they look good in pre-season. They beat the Wildcats on the weekend at the pre-season cup. So that conference division, I think they'll, they'll be the team to watch there. Well, Mitch, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you every couple of weeks as we look at uh, round by round what's happening in the AFL London women's competition. Uh, That'd be great. Can't wait to talk about footy. It's going over here all the time and we we just want everyone to know how good it is. Almost time for me to get on out of here. Before I go, a reminder that the VFLW competition kicks off the following weekend on May 5th and 6th. Our first broadcast game will be Essendon versus Hawthorne at Windy Hill on Sunday the 6th of May. If you're looking to catch a women's footy action this weekend, I do recommend the Yarra Valley Pride Cup which is being played on Saturday, the 25th of April. It's the first time that the St Kilda Sharks and Eastern Devils are going to play for this very special cup, and they've also uh, designed some special jumpers to celebrate the occasion. The game is being played at Yarra Glen Football Ground. That's on Hillsville, Yarra Glen Road in Yarra Glen. The game for the women will begin at 2.10pm. So check that out. That is the Yarra Valley Pride Cup being held at the Yarra Glen Football Ground. Women's game this Saturday, 2.10pm, between the St Kilda Sharks and Eastern Devils. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks very much for your company, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week.